0: Welcome back to City on a Hill Gaming, a tabletop RPG, actual play podcast. To find out more, visit us online at cityonahillgaming.com or follow us on Twitter at City on a Hill Game. We hope you enjoy our show. Okay, welcome back to City on a Hill Gaming. I am am not your narrator, Ryan. Um, This is, oh, this is going to be different. Um, But I am, I ask for this, so this is my fault
1: technically you're welcome I mean, Grant run you. something before That's so no, no no no. I mean, this. I mean
0: specifically the system i specifically requested oh. this I, I i wanted space so we're doing impulse drive um and by we're doing impulse drive i mean grant's gonna drag us along kicking and screaming uh as he teaches us impulse drive um so grant uh, i'm
1: not going to be kicking and screaming this thing's been on my short list true. since i found out about it and
0: and i'm excited <laughs> enough with the world building we did last time that i would probably play this for the next several years without stopping given the opportunity so Indeed. that's beside the point um you've heard his voice yeah, already like, Peter is not, here
1: let's not pretend we're doing this under direct. no
0: no by no means um peter is here peter say hi
1: i've i've been he's, snarking he's said but, several but things yes.
0: <laughs> ben's here ben say hello
1: Hello.
0: Uh, and uh, hi, I'm Ryan. Uh, Grant, this is uh, uh, Lead Us Forward, sir.
2: Okay. Um, so, good news, I'm not your GM this time. I'm the Space Master. It's, it Ooh. says it on
0: Zoom. That makes it It does. Efficient. That's
2: actually the title of the GM for uh, Impulse Drive, and I love that. So we are playing Impulse Drive, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. EBTA games, powered by the apocalypse games, grew out of Dungeon World and Apocalypse World, um, which were early, not early, but um, was kind of a, a, some really fascinating systems that moved, used very different resolution mechanics to create a storytelling game that is really a, a fun experience and plays very differently from traditional tabletop role playing games. Um, you're going to hear some really interesting. Play patterns happen here. Um, and I encourage you to check it out. Uh, you know, reach out to City on a Hill to find out more if you're curious. There are a ton of PBTA games out there all based on this. There's not exactly a standard rule set they're based on. Everybody sort of goes back to the original and then innovates again from there. So there, you know, I've got a collection of PBTA games and they all are wildly different. It's not like they're using an SRD or anything like that. It's really fun.
1: Yeah, this is. This is the third PBTA game that I've played, and they're all pretty different from each other. The other wildly. two were um, Offworlders. Was that the one mm-hmm. that we played in our Saturday yep. group? And then I've played a session of the Avatar Legends one, which is one of the more complex PBTA games out there. Is mm-hmm. that the new Avatar that's, system, that's or is this also a cool. different one? Yes. Okay, okay.
0: I have seen some things about this online. Yeah. And of yeah, course... If,
1: uh, if Greg Peter's were played... here, he's also in that group. Yeah. Uh, right. And he uh, played... League. Monster of the Week, exactly. Which I've heard a lot Um, about.
2: And I have played Fellowship, which I uh, harped about a lot on saving the game and talked Peter into buying this week. So there you go. Nice. All right. So (laughs) There's
1: a bundle on bundle of holding. I have purchased it.
2: (laughs) Indeed. Um, The other thing that we are doing that's a little different is we're not using a tabletop uh, of any sort of virtual tabletop. We are using a character keeper. Um, Mine is from the Gauntlet, which is a big community of gamers and game designers, uh, lovely forums out there. And they create these character keepers, which are essentially Google sheets that you can copy, make your own copy of, that have all of your characters and uh game information all in one place. Some of them are very simple, just you know, forms to fill out, and you just kind of keep track of stuff. Some uh have a whole lot of automation built in. I'm playing a Mountain Home game uh right now, which is a uh Blades in the Dark, Forge of the Dark game, um, based on Dwarf Fortress. And it uh it's so well automated that there's scripting built in to walk you through character creation. Like wow. there's uh, tool tips that pop up for each stage explaining what you need to do and checkboxes to say, I'm done, move me to the next step. It's wild. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, people put a ton of work into these things. But we're using uh, an impulse drive character keeper that tracks all of our stuff, also tracks all of our uh, safety info. We have a safety uh, check sheet that we Use And we're using a dice room, just a little online dice roller, um, RollWithMe.xyz, which is a fun one that I like to use. Uh, so we've got all that here that we're working out of. And the nice thing is that means I can actually look at people on Zoom instead of staring at uh, Roll20. So yeah, that's, Fair. that's a plus. We're using the Vanguard playbook for the ship, which is, if you've played Mass Effect, it's a lot like your ship in Mass Effect. It is a ship that's a little bigger than the others. This is not the Millennium Falcon with a crew of two. This is a ship with a crew of about 15 plus yourselves. There are people on the ship. It's big. Uh, and you guys are, the, the vanguards thing is that you guys have somebody who gives you orders. You have resources, but you do not have independence necessarily. Now out here in you know the fringes of this particular cluster, or this particular sector of space, orders they're more like guidelines sometimes. But you know, you've got somebody who you have you have rank, you have duties, and sometimes you have dilemmas. A lot of times you have dilemmas. That's the whole point of the game. I was but, say
0: mostly mostly dilemmas. Yeah.
2: Mostly dilemmas, yes. <laughs> um, I am I, I have jotted down that your organization is the Coalition Navy because that seemed like the kind of thing you guys would want to do. But if you have better ideas, I am 100% okay with changing that. It doesn't matter.
0: I mean, to my remembrance of what we wrote out ahead of time, it's more or less that or piracy. Yeah, I mean, you guys not really establish being... any other
2: powers. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you cannot go, well, let's put a name out there, say what they are, and that's sure. okay. But if we want to just go with the Coalition Navy, take Get things moving along, that's fine.
0: I'm fine with it.
2: Right. So yeah. um we can talk about duty for uh this later. It's not gonna matter too much here because we're not doing a ton of progression. Do du- the whole duty mechanic is more about progression.
1: Oh, like the um, long term.
2: Long term sort of okay. stuff, because as you do things, your your rank goes up, your duty increases, and if you know when you fail missions, your stuff goes down, blah, blah, blah. Um Importantly, you roll your rank when you are um, rolling certain things like ship payment, right? So as you get, you know, to get paid, you better, you need a better rank. Um, And that's the main thing. There is also ship maintenance that will matter a little bit, not not necessarily the long-term maintenance, but some of it is going to have some effects. We'll cross that when we come to it. Um, but what we need is looks. So if you guys can, uh, there's drop down there, pick five, y'all, y'all just go ham. I don't care. Um, and then the main thing we need, we need, um, modules, one vehicle. Ooh. And crew. So mo- you start with two modules, okay? And if you look on the car- the Creation Three tab and go over to the Vanguard, which is the third one, um, there's a list of modules that we can copy in, um, or you can look on uh, in the books.
0: Is that under facilities?
2: Um, oh, modules is
0: further down. Okay.
2: Down yeah, modules is further down.
0: Redundant systems so, shielding, that kind of thing.
2: Right. Okay. And you'll see that uh, there's a, a UP listing there. That's that's the modules points, upgrade points. You start with two. Okay. So I don't, Um, you cannot start with, for example, stealth systems because that's three points worth of modules. And we currently have nothing. You currently have nothing. Okay. So you can get something that costs two, or you can get two things that cost one. I mean, shielding and Where, lasers both what, seem what important. Uh, if you look at the character keeper, creation three, the very last tab.
0: And then the third column over is the ship we have. Yeah.
2: Alternatively, if you want to look at it in the PDFs, you can do that. Whichever is easier for you.
0: I mean, depending on how simple, like... It needs to go pew pew, and it needs to not blow up immediately.
2: Right, are so, my two concerns. <laughs> so right, so there are lasers, which are very helpful. Um, they are good. Um, they they fire at broadside and engaged and cannonading range. They do one damage. Um, they're kind of just your
0: stock standard,
2: stock standard all round weapon. There are also missiles. Uh, They are only good in close range, but they do two damage. Um, And then the plasma cannon, which is only right up close, does
1: three damage.
0: How much
2: damage do missiles do?
1: There's also a railgun, I see. There is a railgun. You can't get the (laughs) railgun.
0: We know can't afford railgun.
1: You cannot
2: afford the railgun. However, if you roll well and you want to strip out your other systems
1: and replace it with a rail gun, rail
2: gun. who am I to say no? Uh, how much
0: damage do missiles do?
1: Oh, it's okay. Two. It's these dots Two. down here next to... I'm. Uh, yeah, it's a little confusing. I am it very re- slow on the uptake tonight. I'm sorry. That's okay. okay. Um, basically, you're trading off range for damage
2: is essentially what it comes down to. The missiles do too, right? Yep broadside and engage range so basically long range medium range close range missiles are close and medium plasma close lasers close medium long uh and the other nice thing about the plasma cannon and the lasers is you can discharge them which is to say you can say i'm going to discharge them do double damage and then have to do something to recharge them
0: oh Okay, my money is that he is shield and then either and then a weapon.
1: See, I, I was <laughs> thinking
3: sensor. I array. was thinking
1: autodoc surgery and research lab myself, but.
0: Um, can we do both of those? We can.
1: But this is going back to my original, like, idea of calling the ship the Desmond Doss, too.
0: I mean, how big an issue we is it if we that cannot defend ourselves? In in space combat, I guess, is the more broader in space,
2: question. Well, if you're in space combat, it is nice to have things that both keep you from getting holes in your ship and put holes in other ships that are trying to
1: put holes in yours. So many holes. This is, however, assuming so how that you're putting yeah. holes in ships. Right. I was going to say, like, how much does combat necessarily have to factor in?
2: That is entirely up to what you guys decide to do.
1: Okay, because like, here's here's the thing. Well, like,
2: that's not entirely true. This is a danger. This is a dangerous world. You know, this is a universe full of piracy and killer robots and AIs and all that fun stuff, but also full of people who are genuinely trying to help and do things. And it's a question of where you take the story, how you decide to approach things. But also my job is to make things exciting and difficult. So you okay. know, that's what GMing is in a lot of ways.
0: Then my money is skip shields and pick a weapon and then one of the two research things. Right.
2: I will say shielding, you ignore one instance of damage to the ship, but you have to discharge it to do that. And it can only be it's done a one once? time use thing. Oh, now, skip it, the ship. It blocks all the damage dealt to you that one time.
0: Oh, I thought it said it was only one damage.
2: Okay. No, it, one instance of damage.
0: Oh, because it says ignore one damage dealt.
2: Um, That is not correct. It's okay. one instance, instance of, of damage. damage. Okay.
3: So, as long as we don't take a
2: Nova, we're
0: fine. Right. We're fine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Your ship does, in fact, have. Hit you know uh, hit points uh, a harm track just like
0: like every like you we guys have.
2: do yeah right you you know superficial damage <clears throat> direct hit hull breach and adrift
1: okay so with with, with some of that stuff um, in mind why don't we go ahead and do either lasers or missiles and then sensor array. Because I, I feel thinking. like sensor array might give us more hmm. interesting plot stuff. Like being able to scan things from orbits is is, you know, like a real cool standard like sci-fi yeah. trope kind of thing and might, you know.
0: And being able to scan enemy ships from a distance and deciding we just need to move on.
3: Do you also yeah, get
0: Yes, I started right before we started.
1: Asteroid, good. or yeah, like you know, we either need to move on, or we need to get clever, or right.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay. So, sensor ray and a weapon.
3: Yeah, I would say laser because yeah. if it's got the three ranges, we might be able to like long range and skedaddle before anything else.
0: And that's fine Wait. with me. The missiles only being good at closer ranges is a, a bit disconcerting to me. Right. Well, they're That's medium like, and close. Right, right. Yeah, I say lasers and sensor array makes sense. All right, we've lasers
1: those. are are like, I hmm, how to think about this? I would, I would rather have to get a little bit closer in and punch something harder if we're gonna punchy, punchy. The if one thing I will weapon point weapon, out, I, I would, however... It, I would and go this go for is, missiles myself, but... The, the only
2: tactical thing I'll point out, Peter, is that if you are that close, so are they. And you don't have shields. And missiles only,
0: work, missiles only work two of the three directions.
2: It's not directions, it's ranges.
0: Range. Well, I mean, like, the broadside engage and stuff, like...
2: Yeah, th- those are the ranges. Oh, okay, okay.
0: Broadside is, like, you're, you're right up next to oh, them. Oh, and cannonading is, like, long range.
2: Yes, that's oh, that's okay, your okay. long range, gotcha. you know, lobbing shots kind of thing.
0: So missiles are broadside and engaged only. Right. Gotcha.
2: Interesting. Okay. There's a lot of uh, tags. And,
1: yeah. Okay. I just.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm certainly not gate saying you here, Peter. But as a player, that's how I would think about it.
1: No, I I get you. I just. I mean,
0: as long as we're not on plasma cannon, I think we're fine. I think plasma cannon's a poor choice. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that seems like a really good like second weapon.
0: (laughs) If we're expressly really wanting to use a second weapon,
1: yeah, yeah. If we're if we're like going to like build a gunship kind of a thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it seems like a really good second weapon, but that seems
0: like the placeholder before you get to railgun.
1: Um, next things,
2: two two other things. First, your vehicle bay. You have a vehicle bay. It starts with one vehicle. Okay. which is pretty cool. Again, yeah. think uh, Mass Effect. The Mako. The Mako. But it doesn't have to be the Mako. You have four options. You have a speeder, which takes one hit. It's responsive and speedy, which is really nice. It's easy to steer, and it's it goes fast. But it is fragile, and it is cramped. So that's one option. There's a passenger vehicle. One hit. It's reliable, which is super handy. It's also inconspicuous. Has its advantages and spacious, but it is fragile. There is a military vehicle which has two hits. It's reliable, it's armored, it is equipped one, which means it has some basically module of its own. Uh, You know, one hit, I think it might have missiles, for example, um, or lasers or whatever, but it is sluggish. And there is a shuttle. Which has is a two hit vehicle. It's spacious and armored and spacefaring. None of these others are spacefaring, but it has the uh, negative effect of ponderous. What does that mean? Real slow. Oh, and slow to steer. Uh, slow to steer as well. I
3: like shuttle option.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, Gives yeah. us
3: the ship to ship availability or ship mm-hmm. to object. Ship to asteroid. Ship to space station. Space debris away uh, mission. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I would say down. either that or the military vehicle would be my Yeah. Couple agreed. Like if we were if we were intentionally doing like a covert kind of a thing, I'd say passenger vehicle, but um Yeah, I think either shuttle or military vehicle is a way to go. I
0: think I think shuttle's fine. Especially cuz oh. it's the only one if something goes real wrong technically we could fly it instead. Right. <laughs> Because not well, ideal. It's it's like, also escape pod. <laughs> also escape pod. Inexact and dangerous, but look it's there. So right. yeah, that seems fine.
2: Great. All right, I've got that written down. Uh your vehicle bay um can be you can add vehicles to it later. Ooh. As you okay. you know, in theory, again, if this is a turns into a longer campaign, you can Hey, big spender you know, uh, and buy another vehicle. Um, crew. You have a section of the ship dedicated to the living and recreational requirements for 15 to 20 crew members who operate and maintain the ship. We need a very broad description of these. You are more than welcome to invent individual NPCs. Sure. Please get attached to them. That only does me favors.
0: <laughs> right, keep them at arm's length. Gotcha. No, um, please go,
2: treat them as people. They're fine. <laughs> um, um,
0: I, I want a couple of not humans. Yes, yeah. gotcha. and at um, least one droid. Or no, s- no, we didn't use the word droid. What word what, what, did we use? Uh, AI. AI or what? Yeah, yeah. We need at least um, one AI. Okay. Who is immense? Either immensely nervous or incredibly exact, or both. All um, right. Um, Fifteen to twenty. Good night. Okay. So what? So this 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 bad boy is really a group effort.
2: Well, yes, but again, these are these are background characters who keep the ship running. They're the kind of people you tell, hey, we're going here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. These are the red shirts. Mm, Are these below red shirts? The red shirts. It's (laughs) more like your specialty crew. It's it's worth pointing out you have a chain of command move. Right. When oh, okay. you give your subordinates a command they are disinclined to follow or that puts them in direct danger, roll with stalwart if they're an NPC on a 10 plus choose three, on a 7 to 9 choose two. They will do their duty to the best of their ability. Right. They don't get hurt or killed. You don't have to make an example of someone. You won't have to pay for it later. Oh, good night. Oh. Okay. So Best this case,
3: is... you get to choose three. This is the Normandy crew on Mass Effect. Sure. All of the bodies that stand around, and
2: sure, or the mid-ranking officers on the Enterprise, or anything right. like that.
3: The the random crew member who takes wharf spot when he walks away.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, Joker, the XO, the Norman, or yeah, you know, and the XO on the Normandy, that kind of person. I love you, crew member nineteen. That's right. One of,
3: one of them has to be named O'Brien.
2: That's fine. No objection. Absolutely. O'Brien is a. Very good character and fun actor. All right. The last thing we need to do, the most difficult thing,
0: name the ship. Okay, say your name again, Peter. I want to make sure I'm looking at the right guy on Wikipedia.
1: The Desmond Doss.
0: Okay, he's buried like 30 minutes from me and Ben. I don't think we can say no.
1: (laughs) Okay, I was going to say like, you know, pacifist guy who saved a whole bunch of lives in World War II. Seems like a um...
3: Heartbreak, or Hamburger,
1: uh... The Heart, one was Spider-Man oh, Heartbreak or, Ridge. hexar Ridge, I Hacksaw think Ridge, it was the, there. You go.
3: Yeah, where Spider-Man
0: was. Where Spider-Man was this guy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is the same one or not. Um, in right. media.
2: Terran Coalition yes, Government, Hacksaw Desmond Ridge. Doss.
0: Yeah, Ben, he's actually buried in Chattanooga. Oh, nice. At the at the National Cemetery. Even though he died in Alabama, which is interesting. Um, now they do that.
1: Yeah. All right. Never so, make uh, it past Corporal. The, <laughs> so I I think like the idea here is the name of the ship is kind of um an indication that yeah, we might be armed, but like this is not what we're a strike here for. vessel. You know
2: right, right. I mean the Enterprise is not, you know
0: technically uh yeah.
2: the the it's right. not, you know, the warship you know, whatever warship. It's a fairly generic name that implies yeah. something other than we're going to kill you. Right. Same same, same philosophy, and I think that works fine. Also, the Desmond Doss is delightfully alliterative, and I like that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Real quick. The way Impulse Drive and other PBTA games work is you roll 2d6, and you add a stat. That's the core mechanic. The stats in this game are called approaches, and they don't indicate the physical or mental aspects of your character. Rather, they indicate how good you are and how willing you are to approach problems in certain ways. So, for example, uh, Peter's character, Alistair, is, uh, his best approach is stalwart. He tends to approach things in a very stalwart manner, very stoic, charging forward, sturdy fellow Um Whereas uh, Shiana Kewa, Ryan's character, uh, her best approach is calculating, right? She's a very calculating, intelligent person. She tends to think her way through problems and solve them that way. And there are moves tied to all of these that use particular uh, roles. Uh, our five approaches are volatile, calculating, slick, stalwart, and alien, just so you know. Um, so if you hear me say roll with alien, roll 2d6, add your alien stat. Sometimes this may oh, be negative. Subtract in my case. <laughs> yes, that's okay. Well, you're adding a minus one. Absolutely. Yep. Stop that. The basic way that resolution works is when you roll, you look at the sum. If it is 10 or better, you get most or all of what you want. Hooray. You, you did it. Good job. Things mostly go your way. Seven to nine, which is the most common roll you get on 2D6 plus a small number, is you get some of what you want. You get what you want with a cost. You get what you want, but it's interesting. Six or worse, well, you get an XP because you failed, <laughs> but, or not even failed exactly, but it just doesn't go your way. But also, I get to make a call. Uh, At no point does the GM roll dice. Oh, interesting. What I do is narrate. When you make a call, you get an XP, which is excellent because you need five XP to uh, get an an advance. So one XP is a really good way to do that. Um, But also, I say something happens. Every time the dice are rolled, and this is important, every time the dice are rolled, the status quo of our fiction changes interesting
0: that that concerns me in not a bad way
2: yeah nothing there is no case where you roll and go well uh, that's unfortunate Yep. No, it didn't matter okay? and my calls some of my calls are things like you know deliver bad news divide the player characters but also things like offer an opportunity with or without a cost or tell you the possible consequences and ask what you want. So it's not bad necessarily. Whatever you do, success or failure, the fiction moves forward. Okay. Now the good news is you're not just going to be rolling randomly. You roll when you trigger a move. Okay. Moves are things that describe when you roll and what happens. So for example, uh, Ben has, Ben is playing um, the Infiltrator. He's a sneaky sort of person. Uh, And I'm saying him, actually they, them, I apologize. Uh, So this is what a move sounds like. When you use your contacts, charms, skills, or gadgets to prepare for a covert incursion into hostile territory, roll with Slick. This move is called the Setup. And there's a list of, uh, of things that you can find out about. On a 10 plus, ask three. On a seven to nine, ask two. Where are their defenses and security strong? Where are their defenses and security weak? Where is the target normally located? Who do I have on the inside? What are they on the lookout for? Now, I will tell you this stuff, or I can invite you to make it up as appropriate. Uh, not all moves are a matter ones where you choose options. Um, sometimes moves don't even involve a dice roll. So for example, another of uh, Trevers' uh, moves is master thief as a master thief. You have a reputation in the criminal world that gets you a lot of leverage and respect. When you steal something of significance to yourself or someone of great influence, mark XP So, yeah, that's how things move. There's a trigger and an action and an outcome. Uh, The good news is sometimes you will be rolling at advantage. The bad news is sometimes you'll be rolling at disadvantage. This is very easy. When you roll with advantage, instead of rolling 2d6, you roll 3d6 and use the best two. Disadvantage, 3d6, use the worst two. Um, There will also be references to going forward and ongoing and hold. We'll kind of get to that when it comes up. Basically, going forward is this weird and I think misnamed thing of on your next roll, it behaves in this way, like maybe you have advantage Going forward, that means you have advantage on your next roll or someone else does. Ongoing means while such and such is in play, is true in the fiction, roll like this. okay. Uh, hold is basically you can activate things later. Uh, moves, some moves also can be discharged, which means that they are a one-use thing. Usually when you discharge them, you're getting a big advantage out of them. Each playbook... Is its own each character has their own set of rules and they're called playbooks. Uh, There are also basic moves that are common to everybody. Uh, So, for example, you know, I said Ben is playing Trever, who's an infiltrator. That is a character archetype that has all of its own types of moves and own special things going on. um, And so that we call those playbooks. Naturally, this is a space game. It's based on your kind of. 90s to 2000s sci-fi shows andromeda um star trek the next generation certain star wars properties uh farscape the big one is firefly for sure uh and so of course you have a ship and uh the ship that our crew is crewing is the uh the desmond dos we'll talk more about that when we actually start playing um We have gear, we have calamities, we have stress, we have all this sort of stuff. Um, But I think we may want to jump into this and just sort of teach those in play. Does that sound reasonable? see. Okay. The one thing I do want to do, however, is read off our hooks. Because as we open up, this is important. Um, One other thing I do want to remind everybody of real quick. Everybody has... An agenda in this game and by that i mean that you all have tasks as players okay the crew agenda that's you guys is very simple play a compromised active character imagine dangerous and exciting worlds and play to find out what happens right and your principles take risks and embrace the consequences learn your archetypes moves keep track of your hooks and say when they apply Step up when it's your turn to shine. Step back when it's another player's turn to shine. Look after your fellow players and think cinematically. This is a game that emulates TV shows. We can talk about the camera moving from one person to another. We can talk about, you know, star wipes across the screen. Whatever works for you guys, that's part of the fun of this game. Because this is cinematic and it is one of those where we can talk about it at a meta level in a lot of ways. I, of course, as the Space Master, have my own agenda, which is fill the void of space with danger and excitement, show how big space is and how small the PCs are, and play to find out what happens. So, let's go ahead and get started, but let's start by reading hooks. And Ben, I'm going to start with you. What are your three hooks for Trevor Gold?
3: My three hooks. Uh, One, I'm addicted to adrenaline. I take risks just for the thrill of it. Two, I'm suspicious of everyone. I can't let a secret stay unknown, which flies directly in the face of three. I think (laughs) I can trust Shiana, but they must prove it before I feel safe opening up.
2: All right. And Shiana, Ryan, let's talk about Shiana Kiwa's hooks. Uh,
0: at first, if I may, Grant, you said something there at the end before we started this portion that implies you also don't expressly exactly know what's going to happen. And for some reason, I really like that.
1: Yes, that's uh, true.
0: That idea the, intrigues me.
2: The explicit advice in the book is do not create a plot. Create dilemmas, present them to your uh, players, let them decide how it goes.
0: And then, fig- and then you figure it out from there. Yeah, okay, I dig that. Yeah. Um, okay. And then
2: for the next session, look at the consequences create a dilemma that follows from that and on and on
0: um okay my hooks are my size makes me vulnerable to those more opposing because shiana is quite small um i will become obsessed with a mystery to the exclusion of any danger around me that worries me deeply but it made sense um and i can't let i believe it's alistair which is peter's character know how much they intimidate me
2: excellent and peter let's talk about alistair this has worked out perfectly Let's talk about Alistair Pavlov's
1: hooks. Okay. um, I have fought alongside Sergeant Delane for years. I will always come to their aid. That's an NPC. Uh, Shiana is like a child to me. I'll teach them to be strong and I'll protect Trevier from anything, even themselves. It's almost like I got the benefit of reading their hooks as I was doing mine. Exactly. (laughs) It's almost Um, like he's
0: the babysitter and we're going to cause lots of problems.
1: Oh, well. It's okay. This is a role I am familiar with. Ask about (laughs) the colony game sometime. (laughs) Yes. So uh,
2: Peter's playing. uh, Alistair Pavlo is the warhorse archetype. Uh, Ryan Shiana is the uh, intellect. And as we said, Ben's character, Trever, is the infiltrator. Your ship is, the playbook we're using for your ship is the Vanguard. And it is the TCO Desmond Doss. TCO, of course, standing for Terran Coalition organization. It's relatively sizable for a semi personal ship. It's got a crew complement of about 20, including yourselves. Um, you three are the senior officers aboard it's your ship, but you are not exactly independent. You are part of the structure, however loose, of the coalition government and coalition navy. And you are, as we speak, on approach to a planet, an important planet in its own way. It is on the edge of settle, it's right on the frontier, you might say, between the new frontier out in the rest of the sector and the parts of this sector of space that have been settled. It is sort of your independence, Missouri, if you will, the gateway to the next expanse. A space
0: Orcid that's out there. Oregon Trail. Oregon. Sorry. Um, you're flashing um, me back to my childhood. Uh,
2: that's
3: fine. I, I'm Part dying of... right now. It's the idea that there's a, a relevant Independence, Missouri. You're welcome. About like equation in the space. that it's just, it's
0: great. When, like, as a kid, um, I had the fortune to not just play Oregon Trail. I think I played the first three or four of them. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. I have been I, on this journey.
2: You have been ordered here. By Rear Admiral Liam Desmet, who is your contact and supervisor in the Coalition Navy. You are not, strictly speaking, exactly part of the Coalition Navy. You are contractors, you might say, but you keep rank, and it's a bit of a loose relationship. Um, but Ad, Rear Admiral DeSmet is your primary contact. He's the one who ordered you to, to this planet to speak with who, the person who has requested the assistance of the coalition government. And we'll talk about them shortly. For the record, uh, Admiral DeSmet is a belugan, an uplifted beluga whale species uh, from Ibitar 3, raised on Earth. He is Belgian. It is not a good idea to crack wise about this in his hearing. Fair. I've got a picture of him in the NPCs tab for those who need it. Ooh, interesting. Al, um, Alistair here is on the bridge as we approach this planet. First of all, what is this planet named? If you don't have one, I can come up with one very easily. I'm perfectly fine.
1: Zagreus 4. There Zagreus
2: 4? I like that. Excellent. So you're above Zagreus IV uh, on approach. What's, and you're, you're here among the bridge crew. What is the bridge of the Desmond Doss like? What's it, what does it sound like? What's the crew activity level on the bridge here as you've dropped out of hyperspace and are approaching at you know, normal speeds.
1: Okay. So, um, the the bridge is well lit, but it's kind of a warm um, orange light. The idea here is that um, it was figured out a long time ago that too much blue light can mess with um, the psychology of, you know, terrestrial species. So it's deliberately given kind of more of like a warm incandescent spectrum. Uh, it's that kind of like... Um, quiet murmur of like a, a busy environment of people that are very good at their job, like taking a task seriously. So picture like NASA mission control kind of a mm-hmm. thing. Um, you've got a bunch of people at, at consoles every once in a while, one person walks back and forth with like a data pad and shows it to somebody else and they change something else or, um, you know, then leave to report to somebody off the bridge or something like that. It's very professional environment, but it's also like kind of in line with the, the lighting. There's a warmth to it. Like these people have been working together for a long time. The vibe on the ship is very healthy. Um it's it's a team in the truest sense of the word. Like people are genuinely trying to help each other out and make sure that things go smoothly and for the most part genuinely like each other. Excellent. Shiana,
2: you are at work. You're not on the bridge. You're, you're elsewhere. Where, what part of the ship does Shiana most commonly work in? Uh,
0: Shiana will most likely be in what will one day be the lab, but is currently a very large empty room with one desk with a sensor array on it. Um, but is also where, uh, she is able to get into immense amount of nonsense with her own technical equipment, uh outside of of the equipment provided by the Navy.
2: Excellent. You're busy recovering from your last mission. What went wrong? Uh
0: that is where um I'll lean into the picture I found online. Uh that is where the uh the fact that the left arm is no longer mine came from.
2: Okay. We got a prosthetic of some sort? Uh, partial. Um, partial.
0: So Shiana has two fully prosthetic legs. The left arm is partially prosthetic. Okay. Um real bag mm-hmm. mishap with a uh Zegrian tiger shark.
2: Ooh. Those are the worst, known for their ferocity throughout mm-hmm. the sector. Mm-hmm. Braver. You are in the uh, the main crew quarters, the common room that the crew that's not on duty relaxes in. What are they talking about here as you prepare to dock and have some shore leave? What are you hearing? And what makes that so interesting? Well,
3: there's scuttle around the ship of the, the... The sites of uh, Zagreus for. There's a lot of excitement for the limited amounts of shore leave that might be possible um, to go on to, for they could say it's known for its uh, its nature, um, its z- like xenofauna. Yeah, throw it away. The xenofauna, various uh, large creatures that would be. Uh, I guess you would be co- uh, classified as megafauna size equivalent to uh, ancient earth dinosaurs, a good spectacle, um, for anybody to see them up close. Um, but there's a lot of bustling of just getting your job done so that you can get the free time to go, go out and explore, uh, lots of, uh, large canopy. Um, uh, also that would go along with that. And a lot of the, uh, the extreme sports fanatics, if you will, um, Lots of uh, bouldering options, like rock the rock climbing. Basically, there's anything you want to do on on the surface that uh, get your your blood pumping, whether whatever that fare might be for
2: you. Marvelous, I love it. You your crew has been ordered by Admiral DeSmet to get in touch with one. Let me grab his name real quick. Uh, Santiago Aramdi. This is another non Terran. Um, you know that much. And you know that they are the president and owner and founder of Aramdi Logical Transport. They own the dock that you are in the process of uh, slowly making your connections to and establishing. The usual feeds as you slowly pull in, having come down through the admittedly gorgeous atmosphere. It's raining a little, unfortunate, but it promises to clear up by the time the crew is done and able to start shore leave. You three, however, have an appointment.
0: Thanks for listening to City on the Hill Gaming. If you'd like to hear more episodes, find us online at cityonhehillgaming.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, at City on the Hill Game, on Instagram, at City on the Hill Gaming. You can also find us on YouTube or Twitch by searching for City on the Hill Gaming. If you'd like to send us an email, you can find us at cityonhehillgaming at gmail.com. If you want to hear more from the Saving the Game folks, find them at stgcast.org for their backlog of episodes. And we're also on Patreon. You can find us at Patreon.com/slash/CityOnTheHillGaming. Thanks, as always, to all of our Patreon backers: Grizzly Rich, JD, Brian, Sir Lord Epic Name, Andrew, and Christina, and Tony. Thank you guys for all you do to support the show. We love you, and we appreciate all of your help. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day. I get yes. We may as well actually do that. Um, G- uh, Grant
2: sound. Yeah. All right. Are you cool with me reading one that's a little bit longer than usual, like a minute or so?
0: Yeah, it's fine. Go for it.
2: All right. Probably the best known of all unorthodox cosmologies, the world or cosmic ice theory was the brainchild of an Austrian mining engineer, Hans Horbiger, 1860 to 1931. In 1913, he published a vast tome called Glacial Cosmogony, which sets out the theory in some detail. The theory is so complex and so radically at odds with common sense that I can do little more than hazard a summary of it here. The stars are mere chunks of ice. The only body in the universe that is actually a star in our sense of the word is the sun. Everything in the universe orbits the sun. However, since all space is filled with hydrogen, albeit rarefied, friction causes all orbits to decay. The various celestial objects spiral down towards the sun and finally fall in. Whenever this happens, a sunspot is seen. If the body was a star, its ice is vaporized and part of it blasted back into space. By the time this ice reaches the Earth, it has refrozen, deformed tiny crystals. That's where high-altitude clouds come from. In fact, the Earth and Sun are odd men out in the universe for all other celestial objects are, if not entirely of ice, then at least entirely ice-covered. For example, Horvazur claimed that Mars is covered in an ocean of ice or water some 400 kilometers deep, and that Mars would one day become a moon of the Earth, unless, that is, it missed and instead plunged straight into the Sun. In fact, the Earth and all the other planets are destined to meet their dooms by dropping into the Sun, but they will be replaced. Horviger seems to have thought there is an infinite number of planets beyond Pluto, and that planets approach the Sun rather as if they were riding on some cosmic conveyor belt. Reassuringly, it will be quite some time before our world plummets to its fiery death, but there is a shorter term problem to worry about. The moon is spiraling in towards the earth and will collide with it. This is not the earth's first moon. It has had several predecessors, the most recent of which crashed down in comparatively recent prehistoric times. This catastrophe neatly explains various legends, most notably that of the flood. Similarly, the capture of our present moon caused various difficulties, such as a nasty dose of pole shift and the sinking of Atlantis. Denis Sorat in Atlantis and the Giants, published 1957, used the theory to explain the reference in Genesis, there were giants in the earth in those days. As a past moon spiraled in towards the earth, its gravitational pull counteracted that of the earth, and hence people could grow very tall. The world ice theory might seem just plain cranky and no more dangerous than any of the other unorthodox hypotheses described in these pages, but it became inextricably involved with the rising tide of German Nazism for two main reasons. First, the anti-Semitic nationalists had a strong urge to reject all physics and cosmology based on the ideas of a Jew, Einstein. They wanted a new Aryan cosmology, and the more different from the Jewish one, the better. Logic, rationality, and all the other intellectual tools were flimsy dams against this flood of hatred. That this new cosmology came from an Austrian amateur scientist was an added advantage. After all, was not Hitler himself an Austrian amateur politician? Second, some theorists suggested that the reason the Aryans' natural superiority to all the rest of mankind was a result of the toughening of their ancestors in the chilly north during the last glacial age. Here was ice again. It couldn't be coincidence. Obviously, then, to reject the world ice theory was to reject Aryan superiority. A comment from a pamphlet produced in 1953 by the Horbazur Institute sums it up. The final proof of the whole cosmic ice theory will be obtained when the first landing on the ice-coated surface of the moon takes place. I... (laughs) Hmm. This is from one of my favorite little books, Discarded Science, Ideas That Seemed Good at the Time, by John Grant, which is a lovely um, summary both of Crank ideas and you know these weird branches off of scientific thought but also the evolution of scientific thought as it has moved along through history and why certain theories were discarded and what proofs we looked at to say well that doesn't fully explain it we have a better explanation it's a really neat little book i recommend it i like the idea
0: that even though it's like he treats it as a flat plane like we do it's, mm-hmm. he still also treats it like we're falling down oh, yeah. towards the sun somehow at the same time. Well, um, because of friction. Oh, so it's less of a falling and more of being a pulled.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it is, we're being pulled, but you know, if it were a vacuum, we'd orbit infinitely, but everything is an expanse of rarefied hydrogen. So air, air resistance will slow us down eventually. Okay. Okay,
0: Um,
2: (laughs) I had to read it's one of my favorite crank theories and it does relate to cosmology and space that's fascinating
0: and I mean I like anything that talks about Atlantis because I always thought Atlantis was cool but Mm. mercy help us Um, Ben
3: and it came to pass that Iluvatar called together all of the Einar and declared to them a mighty theme unfolding to them things greater and more wonderful than he had yet revealed and the glory of its beginning and the splendor of its end amazed the Ainar, so so that they bowed before Luvatar and were silent.
2: I love the, the Ainu indali. Okay, what it's, is what is this from?
3: It, go ahead and say that again.
2: The Ainu Indale. It's yeah. um the it's the first chapter
3: creation myth.
2: It's the creation Uh-oh. myth of Middle yeah. Earth in J.R.R., which okay, okay. is
3: by far my favorite creation myth of all time. It's beautiful. It's actually shockingly poetic. interesting. And I'm probably reading a paragraph per
0: uh, thing going forward
2: <laughs> uh,
3: per, per sound check.
2: Okay, so fair
0: enough. Stay tuned. Dude, I'm here for it, Peter.
1: Uh, hi, I have nothing.
0: That's <clears throat> fair. Um, uh, and I'll I'll note for the listeners. Originally, we were going to have four players on this. Um, Daniel has experienced um, uh, being an, an adult in Life. a very harsh and aggressive way. And also just real life stuff. And so um, probably know Daniel for at least a little while. Hopefully more Daniel in the future. Um, And yeah, Uh, and I I didn't mention this up front and I probably should have. That's on me. Um, I'd like to go back to something we haven't done in a long time, which is praying before we start our sessions. Um, So so I'm just going to say a quick prayer. And then uh, Grant, this is your problem now. I guess. Um, I'll do an actual intro before we get there. But, um, Lord, we thank you for this day and all your many blessings. We ask you to keep us safe and help us. Help Daniel and his family um, with everything they have going forward. Help William and his family and their new uh, baby boy. And uh, we thank you for everything in your name. We pray. We love you, Lord. Amen. Yep. Also, yes, William now has a child. Um, right. If I didn't I didn't mention oh, that right. Congratulations
1: sooner.
2: Congratulations to um, Yes, I knew he was on the way. We talked so, about that a while back, yes. but yeah.
0: There were some complications but little dude is here now. Um, oh good.